What a great joy and privilege it was to partner with UP City Fest last year and to see God's presence show up in such dynamic ways and to see people coming together and experiencing the truth of Christ. And we believe that what we're witnessing right now in our area is in large degree due to the groundwork that was laid last year. And we believe this, that we're seeing a spiritual awakening. And so we're excited and looking forward to this next summer and to be able to partner again with uh, UP City Fest and to see God's presence poured into our area and people come to a living relationship with him and him setting them free and experiencing the life that he's called them to live. We have set off on a mission, a mission of gathering to change culture in the name of Jesus. And we know he can do it. We've seen him do it before and we know that he can because he said he would. So we're asking churches all over the UP to come together to unite for one purpose and the purpose of Jesus. This summer, we're hosting gatherings all across the UP to focus on one cause and one purpose, and that is that this culture desperately needs Jesus. So we're asking you to come together to join us in this movement. If you can give financially, then please give. We need your help. If you can volunteer, then please volunteer. And if you can pray, certainly we can all pray. We can all do something to join this movement. But please go to lifelight.org for more details on how you can be a part of what God is doing this August in the UP. Certainly after, is it okay? Can you hear it? Okay. Certainly after seeing this video, you must be asking the question, why an evangelistic crusade? Is this the best time? Is this the best way to reach the lost in our community? And the third question is, are you, am I, the correct person to give this message? Today we'll look at these three questions, and we'll look at the Old Testament and New Testament and gather the directives, the directives from many authors. The Bible has an amazing way to give principles throughout. The Bible is very integrated, even though it's 66 books and I can't, don't know how many authors. Um, it has a constant theme, a constant message. And so that's what we want to do today. The first question is, is time. Time. Does anybody really know what time it is? Does anybody really care? If so, I can't imagine why. The only people that are laughing are age. Maybe Nancy, you're going to laugh, right? Does anybody really know what time is? Does anybody really care? If so, I can't imagine why we all have time to cry. This song was released by Chicago in 1970. I was in seventh grade. This is before most of you were born. But it's a familiar lyric and a familiar concept. The important thing to remember is that none of us know when our time on earth here will end. Nor do we know when anybody else's days will end. So simply on an individual basis, people need to hear the gospel while they still have time to respond and believe and accept Jesus' salvation for eternal life. For us not to share the gospel kind of implies that we don't care about where they spend eternity. Yes, it's true. Not everyone wants to hear the gospel, and not everyone will respond to it, and some quite negatively. 
Now, in addition to not knowing when, he, when any individual's time will end, well, let's talk a little bit about when everyone's time will end. There are some new and compelling developments that should really make us ponder whether or not we're in what the Bible calls the end times, the last days for Jesus' return, and everyone's time on earth will end. Let's read two verses in the Old Testament regarding the last days. First is Daniel 12, 3 and 4. Those who are wise shall shine like the brightness of the firmament, and those who turn many to righteousness like the stars forever and ever. But you, Daniel, shut up the words and seal the book until the end of time. Many shall run to and fro, and knowledge shall increase. The second verse is Joel 2.28. And it shall come to pass afterward that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams, and your young men see visions. Now, Daniel 12 is considered one of the most powerful prophecies of the end time. Daniel is uh, of, of, of the entire Bible, and it correlates with revelations, but it's still, he gives some of the most specific uh, prophecies, and in particular, he talks, does talk in chapter 12 about the end times. And I could have a sermon just on this, because I could kind of get into that. But for brevity, I will just give you a few peaks and a few things to think about regarding the urgency of our time. I think we have this we need to have a sense of urgency about sharing the gospel because we don't know how much time that we have. Daniel also says, many shall run to and fro. What does he mean by to and fro? Up until the modern era of the 21st century, no one really knew what Daniel was talking about. Why do you think it only took a few days for coronavirus to spread throughout the entire globe. It's because people were traveling. People were traveling all the way around the world. People were going to exotic places. And it wasn't just the elite. Every, because of the, the increase in cost effectiveness of, of the big airplanes, we were able to go to a lot of different places that we could never go before. But if you look at it, from the beginning of time, travel was a rarity. It was rare that people traveled. People were born, lived, and died in the same town. And, uh, and that was, it was more common for that than for people to, to be continuously traveling. Families now are spread all over the place. Our, our families are, are all over now. Um, fortunately, I have one grandchild in town. Um, but uh, three out of four of my grandparents never flew on a plane. Until we were married, Laura flew once. I've changed that. <laughs> We've kind of gone all over. Um, other than World War II, my dad never got on a plane until late, in his, very late in his life. And my mother, after year 2000, has basically visited all over the world. Now, she's still alive, but she's, and she still travels. Last year, she went to France, I think, uh, or Germany. Um, you grew up with this, but you ask your parents, ask your grandparents, what life was like in the past. My mother tells me that her parents were one of the first people in town to have a car. People still went horse and buggy. She's 95 now. But 
even so, it's not that long ago. Uh, and if you look before that, people really didn't travel much. So that's one thing that's, that kind of adds it. Another thing Daniel says is knowledge shall increase. This is slipped in a very powerful passage and is easily glossed over. Knowledge shall increase. Up until 1900, knowledge, all the knowledge that was accumulated from the beginning of time doubled every century. By 1945, and these are, this is, I read this, this is not me coming up with this. Knowledge doubled every 25 years. By the 1980s, the entire knowledge since the beginning of time doubled every seven years. Now it says knowledge doubles every 13 months. So you just kind of get the idea of, in my very first computer, I had a external hard drive that was a big box. It was 30 megabytes. You know, I've got a jump drive now that's got like a gigabyte on this little thing here. So you just, you just look at how, how knowledge has increased. Daniel may also have been referring to knowledge given by the Holy Spirit. Let's look at Joel 2.28 again. He speaks of God pouring out his spirit on all flesh. He says that we have a better understanding of God. We will have a better understanding of God. Let's just take a look at what's happening around the world in different areas. We visited the Holy Land. Uh, it was about a year before COVID. And we ran into, it, it was actually a trip that was organized by Messianic Jews. And they told us that about 20 years ago, so roughly year 2000 or before, there was five Messianic churches in Israel. Here to guess how many there are today? There's 5,000. 5,000. They told us there are more Christian Jews, more Messianic Jews alive today than have been alive since, than, than have been accumulated since the time of Christ to the present. So in the last 2,000 years, if you add up all those people, they're surpassed by the number of Christian Jews living today. Now that speaks of end times. Speaks of the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. They took, they, uh, I don't have time really to tell you all the people who have come to me that have said they've had visions of a uh, revival in the UP, that, they, that God is going to do something in the UP, that there's been fires lit. Um, I even had a pastor call me from, uh, from Canada. Um, again, I, I don't have time to tell you all these stories, but it's just, it's just affirmation that God is moving that he's pouring out his spirit. Um, I've had my own uh, on the road to Damascus experience, which many of you know about. Um, the Apostle Peter referred to this passage in Joel in his very first sermon that he spoke, so it's, it's fitting to be repeated today. Uh, take a look at Matthew 24, 6 to 14. Again, we'll briefly talk about it. This is called the Olivet Discourse. He speaks of the end times. His disciples ask, when will the end times come? He says, there will be wars and rumors of wars. There will be famines, pestilence, earthquakes in various places. But he says, those are the beginning of sorrow. So when we see this pestilence go around the world, when we hear about earthquakes and tsunamis and disasters and famines, we know that these are the beginnings. It doesn't mean that we're super close, but it just knows, you just have a sense that 
that it's accelerating. It's getting, it's getting, it's getting more. That, again, this as goes to the urgency. Many will be offended and betray one another and hate one another. The love of many will go cold. Just look at what's happening in the political spectrum. Uh, we've, got, we've got riots on both the left and the right and, and the hatred between them. You can see that it's, again, it's accelerating. You look at all the wars. In my lifetime, which hasn't been that long, there's been a lot of wars and, uh, in many different parts of the world. Um, next in verse 14, he says, and this is a very, very important statement that a lot of people have never heard or thought about. In verse 14, he says, And the gospel of the kingdom will be proclaimed throughout the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. And then the end will come. So you ask the question, has the gospel been preached through the entire world? Well, probably every country, but not every people group, not every language. You all here are familiar with Crew, Campus Crusade for Christ, but many of you may not be familiar with the Jesus Film Project. The Jesus Film Project is a subset of Crew, and they have a, a project called Mission 865. And they're translating the last 865 languages that have yet to be written. So these are 865 cultures with their own language that have not been translated. So far, they've translated 512. So that means that they've got, you know, the remaining. But it's not, they're, they're, past, they're past halfway point. So interestingly, they started translating the Jesus film when we were in college, 1979. And, uh, and so their goal was to, is to get the entire world. But now they're able to do it much faster. And their goal is to finish in 2025. And so they're not far from it. Moving on to the... Second question, what about reaching the lost in our community? Why? Why reach the lost in our community? Well, first look at uh, Matthew 28, 19 and 20. Jesus said, uh, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Mark reaffirms this in 1615 when he says, Jesus said, go into all the world and preach the gospel to the whole creation. In Luke 2447, as he's giving his final instructions, he goes, and proclaim, or he says, and, and the repentance for the forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all nations, beginning from Jerusalem. There's no question that Jesus gives us this command in his parting words to the disciples. What does the Apostle Paul and Peter say? So we've got some pretty good things, and I'll show just a couple of verses from them, starting with 2 Peter 3.9. The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise, as some count slowness, but he is patient towards you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. Well, take attention to those words that God wants everybody, not that any should perish. God doesn't want anybody to perish. God's will is that none should perish. 
What does the Apostle Paul say? In 1 Timothy 2, 3 and 4, he's telling Timothy, this is good and it is pleasing in the sight of God our Savior who desires all people to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. Again, he says all, all. It's, it's, it's inclusive. Romans 10, 13, probably, probably Paul gives the most clear directive in Romans 10. 10, 13 to 15, starting in verse 13. Paul says, for everyone, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So in other words, it's not just some select few. It's not just the elect. It's everyone. And we don't want to get into that discussion today, but just, just think about these many verses in the Bible where God is opening this, opening this invitation to everyone. How then, verse 14, how then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they going to believe in him in whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? Paul goes on to say, it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach good news. And he's quoting from Isaiah 52, 7. My friends, this is our passion. This is our passion that all people all across the UP, hear the good news of Jesus Christ or have the opportunity, invitation to hear the good news of Jesus Christ while they still have time. <clears throat> I want to leave this world with a clear conscience that I've made best efforts to give everyone a clear chance to hear the gospel. Be prepared. Satan will resist you. He will fight you. When I return to my 40th anniversary in high school. I went back, and this was after my experience that I had. I went back and tried to share with my friends that I had back in high school, Jesus Christ, and how he changed my life. And uh, I can't say that I had any immediate response. I had one uh, particularly, uh, shall we say, negative response. <laughs> uh, but you got to leave the outcome to God. It's the Holy Spirit. God tells us to do this. Look at the action words that we're seeing. Go, teach, preach, make disciples, send, baptize. These are all action words that you, that you hear time and time again through, that are weaving, woven through the New Testament. Well, let's start with one of the simplest things we can do. One of the simplest things we can do is pray. We have these five for life cards, and we'll have them to give them to you out at the end. And I may have mentioned that sometime before. These are uh, cards where you can, it's, you can write down the names of five people, your friends, your family, your co-workers, your neighbors, your relatives, and somebody to pray that you, that, that Lord leads on your heart that, that you want to, to, to hear about Jesus or you want to be saved. And, and you can put that on your mirror and you can pray, you can pray for them. Um, next, the next thing you can do is once you, once you start praying for them, you're going to say, well, what can I do? Well, you can invite him to UP City Fest. And we have these invitation cards. And we have plenty of them here if you want to take some of them. Um, they have a fancy QR code in there and everything. that takes you right to the website. Um, you, can, uh, you can volunteer. We have uh, lots of needs for volunteer there. 
Um, we're going to have a training course we'll talk about later. Um, but you can, you can volunteer. You can donate. Um, this is, is a lower level. It's, it's not like you have to, you know, you have to convince them of anything. You just have to invite them. Hey, this is a really cool event. This is a fun, free family event. There's going to be BMX guys jumping their, their, their bicycles. You're going to see... You're going to see these uh, extreme sports stuntmen jumping, doing flips on motorcycles. You're going to hear great music from Jeremy Camp. That's in, in town here. Um, Unspoken is going to be in the other, other towns, but Jeremy Camp's going to be here. And you're going to have excellent speakers like you know, Josh Brewer and, and, and Tim Wilkinson, who you heard in the, in the video. The final question is who? You are the correct person to give the message of Jesus Christ. And there's really no easier way to do it than this. All you have to do is invite someone. Um, I always thought that witnessing was about somewhat of a confrontation or an argument or like apologetics, like you had to convince them. It's not. It's just about sharing what Jesus has done for you. And here it's something, something easy that you can just invite them, invite them to this and you're going to, you're, they're going to hear powerful testimonies of singers, daredevils, and of speakers of how Jesus has changed their lives. In addition, it's going to be a blessing to you. It's a blessing to you to be able to share Jesus. Look again at Daniel 12:3. Those who are wise shine like the brightness of the firmament. And those who turn many to righteousness like the stars forever and ever. Again, those who turn many to righteousness like stars forever and ever. Daniel is saying that if you turn someone to righteousness, if you turn someone to Jesus Christ, you're going to shine like stars. So that's cool. Next thing is, is Solomon, who's the wisest person who ever lived, said, He who is wise wins souls. And that's Proverbs 11.30. I think for one more, one more click. It's not an easy task, but the Bible tells us over and over again that God will place the words in our mouth if we trust him and take the initiative to get started. Trust in Jesus and you'll have nothing to worry about. One of my favorite verses is about being ready, and that's in 1 Peter 3.15. But in your hearts, honor Jesus Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give a defense to anyone who asks you about the hope that is in you. Yet, do it with gentleness and respect. The last two words, the last three words of that, do it with gentleness and respect, is really, really important. And I never, never appreciated that. I never knew that before. For me, it was... You know, for most of my years of my life, it was someone said something, I was ready to stand up and defend and argue. And that's not about it. It's about being gentleness. It's about telling how Jesus has changed your life, how he can, you know, how he can help you through hope, through struggles, through, through loss of family members and other things that can happen. Jesus can, can help you. And that's really what it's, what it's about. Um, Jesus could do it without us, but amazingly... He has given us a chance to be a part of his salvation plan. And it's an honor to serve him. It's an honor to tell, tell 
Jesus to others about the hope that is in you. Finally, I'd like to leave you the words from, from Apostle Paul. He says in 1 Corinthians 9, 13, he says, Woe to me if I do not preach the gospel. He later talks in that same passage about, about, about the, the rewards. He says, do you, do you not know that in a race all runners run, but only one receives the prize? So run the race that you may obtain it. So Laura and I, Lifelight, Pastor John, and the churches encourage you to run with us. Many of you are familiar with uh, the uh, Ralph's Pizza advertising. Everybody heard about Ralph's Pizza advertising? That, can that relate to you? He's, I'll just go over. Pictured is a young man sitting next to his beautiful bride, and someone asks the question, is anything better than Ralph's Pizza? You heard that, right? Right? Anything better than Ralph's Pizza? Well, you guys don't watch my TV. <laughs> so that's what he says, and then he thinks about it, and they show the pizza, and uh, ask him again, is anything better than Ralph's Pizza? He thinks, show the pizza again, thinks again. I think they may have asked it a third time. And then he says, no, there's nothing better than Ralph's Pizza. I tell you, there is something better than Ralph's Pizza. <laughs> and that is seeing somebody accept Jesus Christ for the first time. That is better. There is something that you'll always remember about it. It changes your life, and it will change their life. So I am going to ask my beautiful bride to come up <laughs> and talk about an experience at Northern just briefly. I'm the... Uh color commentator of this multimedia presentation. Um, I'm going to take you in a little time warp back like 40 years. Woo, time warp. And uh, I was just a Christian maybe um, four or five years. And I taught, I was asked to teach five-year-old Sunday school. And I don't know how to teach Sunday school. So they said, well, just do a film and then have playtime and crafts. Cool. So back then, film was on film. You know, you open up the little canister, you put it in the machine and probably pray a little that the thing is going to work because I don't have anything else to do. And it was this little film playing about a mouse named Ralph, I guess. And Ralph was a mischievous little mouse with his friends. And... and uh, they did something bad, and they got called on it. And the mom mouse says, well, you should ask God to forgive you. And Ralph's like, yeah, later. I'll, I'll do that later. Anyway, to keep it short, uh, Ralph's friend had a run-in with a piece of cheese in a mouse trap. Basically, this film said, you know, you need to ask God to forgive you before it's too late. And I'm, I'm watching this with my mouth open. How am I going to handle this? Oh, man. And, uh, you know, lights go up and everybody's playtime. Yay. And I go, phew. And this little girl after the class comes up to me and says, Mrs. Songer, can you tell me how to get to heaven? And I'm like, no, because <laughs> I didn't. I didn't. And, you know. Of course, I didn't tell her that, but I felt really bad, and I kind of fond her off on her mom, and just the look of disappointment on her face, just kind of, I remember it to this day. 
So you time warp, I don't know, maybe 25, 30 years, three children later. It's amazing how time gets away from you, doesn't it? And uh, after being relentlessly pursued by a friend of mine, 70-year-old uh, evangelical time bomb, uh, I took a class on learning how to lead people to Christ, uh, you know, just... And uh, two years later, I'm dyslexic, so it took me a long time to, <laughs> to handle the program. I learned how, and I actually became a trainer of trainees. So we would go to Northern back not so long ago in the good old days when you were allowed in the dorms. And uh, I actually had the privilege of leading this young man to Christ. And uh, my trainee was a young man named Grant, who was also a college student. And uh, we said the prayer, you know, amen, and we raised our eyes up, and Grant jumps out of his chair and starts jumping up and down like this. This is huge! This is huge! This is huge! What he did was he caught the evangelical spark, and it changed his life forever. And it is huge. You see that. You see somebody come to Christ, and all of a sudden, wow, this is huge. Do you know, he would say, do you know what you just did? <laughs> and the guys looking at him like, this is weird, this is weird, this is weird. But it made a huge impact on Grant, and it can make a huge impact on you. And we're going to make this really super easy. Uh, this training program, it's not a, you know, it, believe it or not, I'm an introvert's introvert. And it took a long time, you know, time work back to this present day for me to be able to stand up here and talk to you on the, with this microphone. And it was because God got a hold of my life and said, you need to be an evangel evangelist. And I went, oh, me? Really? <laughs> you got to be kidding. But just think of the glory that God gets when I open my mouth. And that's all it is, is you just got to take the class. You got to learn the program, open the book, and open your mouth and be there. And even if you don't want to go to the party, there's going to be a lot of people around afterwards that are going to be asking questions in their minds, they find out you're a Christian, they're going to ask you, can you tell me how the way to salvation? Well, maybe not like that. But they're going to be asking questions, and they're going to want to know why. And this is when the baby boomer gets out her technology. Oh, yeah, sure. Okay, I'm going to end with a, um, a verse from Acts. And you ever wonder why the ascension was put at the beginning of Acts? So here's Jesus and the disciples. This is cool. You know, Jesus is here, and we're going to get back to the routine. We're going to ask Jesus all kinds of annoying questions. And they're walking along, and he says, uh, they ask him about the end times. And he said, uh, it's not for you to know when the end times will come. It says, but chapter, uh, verse 8, it says, but you will receive power. So it's not you who's going to be opening your mouth. It's going to be the Holy Spirit working in you. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all of Judea and Samaria and Marquette and the Sioux and Iron Mountain and Escanaba and Houghton 
and to the ends of the earth. Notice how I left Houghton for last. <laughs> and when he had said these things, up he goes, and there's the disciples. And I bet they'd still be there with sunburned vocal cords. But God sent them some angels. So this is me talking to you. I'm your angel. And he said, men of Marquette and women of Marquette, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. And why is that at the beginning of Acts? Because the whole rest of the Acts is about what the disciples did with that information. So now it's your turn to know how to do it, take the class, and write your own book of Acts. Thank you, guys. There's a lot of directions I'd like to go with this. Um, very good presentation as to why we should be sharing our faith, right? Scripturally, it, there's a good basis here. Um, budget for City Fest? About 300000 That would make your knees knock, right? You had to do it all? Keep them in prayer and just uh, ask for God's blessing. We're going to participate, but um, do what, what we can, right? But uh, just to take that on, it's huge. You were sitting in a hospital when you had your Damascus experience, right? What, what had gone on? You had a heart attack or a, was that the cancer? He's been battling cancer the last few years, so... Um, No, um, they were doing all kinds of tests. They thought, uh, well, I had kind of a, it was a TIA, it was a mini stroke that recovered, but initially they thought, you know, maybe I might have, would have had, you know, brain cancer or something like that, but it, it turns out it, it wasn't. But, you know, I just didn't know. It was just yeah. total uncertainty. So you had this encounter with the Lord, which you saw like a vision at the end of your bed, right? And you well, actually, went, I'm ready actually to go. I was in, you know, I was... You know how you never really sleep in a hospital? Um, <laughs> so I don't Said know where I was, but I mean, I, I just remember that I was standing in front. So it's like, so it's like over there. It's like I can't really see their faces that well because they're backlit, but it was more so. There was a man that was standing uh, or that was sitting in a chair and I was standing and he was like 20 feet away from me, 15 feet mm -hmm. away from me. And I knew immediately who he was. And so I said to him, I'm ready if you want to take me. <laughs> And he answered back and said, no, I got more work for you to do. Yeah. And that was it. Boom, I woke up and it was like, what? What was this? He didn't tell me what it was. Yeah. <laughs> so he's been exploring that. And that's part of the drive to chase this through, yeah. which is beautiful. I mean, it, God calls people and he gives them this, this needs to be done. And we've seen that passion in their hearts and very appreciative of that. So at minimum, keep them in prayer. Uh, this participation in the training and preparation for when people come. The plan right now is to be at Westwood Mall uh, for here in Marquette. And so um, 
we'll keep you more informed as it as it goes. But uh, and that's going forward. It, it appears that everything is is going to work this time around. <laughs> so we're very blessed. But very good. Thank you very very much. Thank <laughs> you.